CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. We had this guest on the show last year and he was so good. We decided we've got to have him back. His name is Ezra Levant. He's the publisher of Rebel News. Rebel News was recently at the World Economic Forum, really sticking it to a lot of the people, the attendees that were there asking the tough questions. And he says the two of the biggest topics of conversations surrounded stopping Donald Trump and, quote unquote, disinformation and misinformation. So what does that mean for the 2024 election? Will we see meddling? We'll talk to him about that. We'll also talk to him about the trucker rebellion that we saw during COVID. A Canadian judge recently ruled that Trudeau's use of the Emergencies Act, which was used to quell that protest, used to freeze the banks of the truckers that were involved, was unconstitutional and unreasonable. So what does that mean? We'll get his take on that. Also, did you know that Ezra was prosecuted for publishing a book about Justin Trudeau? prosecuted for publishing a book. What was the book about and what did that prosecution look like? Trust me when I tell you this is a truly fascinating and interesting and enlightening conversation with Ezra Levant, publisher of Rebel News. Stay tuned. Hi, Ezra. It's great to have you back on the show. Um, the last episode we did with you was one of the favorites of both my producer and uh, myself. So glad to have you back on. Really appreciate you making the time. Well, it's a pleasure. Well, so you guys, I was watching your coverage of the World Economic Forum. You guys did such a good job last year of just bringing to light the insanity of it all. Uh, for this year, what stood out for you? Well, there were two names on the lips of every World Economic Forum delegate. The two greatest enemies to their worldview were, number one, Donald Trump. They're terrified about Donald Trump uh, being reelected because that will foil all their plans. Even though many of the people there are European and the World Economic Forum is based in Europe, they want to stop what's happening in America. And so their number one focus is what they call misinformation and disinformation that's code for they're going to do a lot of censoring in the next uh, you know 10 months 
to try and alter the election. So they hate Trump and they're terrified of his return. A close second is Elon Musk. Now, until recently, they would have loved him because he's the guy who's making electric cars practical or, or popular. Uh, and it's hard not to admire what he's doing in other things too, like his SpaceX and other things. But they now look at him as the guy who's going to foil their censorship plans through Twitter, or now X as they call it. So between stopping Donald Trump and stopping Elon Musk so they can stop Donald Trump, those were the two focuses that I could detect at Davos for the World Economic Forum this year. So basically, they just hate freedom. Yeah, well, they believe in uh, a, a way of ruling the world that they're very clever with their language. So, for example, uh, we believe in democracy where everyone is a citizen and citizens get to vote, but only citizens get to vote. They believe in something different. They use words like stakeholder democracy. Well, what does that mean? They also talk about it in the terms of companies. You know, right now, if you have a share in a company, you're a shareholder and shareholders get to vote. But they talk about something called stakeholder capitalism. What's what's stakeholder capitalism and what's stakeholder democracy? How is it different from the regular kind? Because it sure sounds similar. It sort of sounds good. But what they're doing is they're saying, no, uh, citizens and shareholders can't be trusted. We need other experts who have a, quote, stake in things. And those are NGOs and United Nations experts and scholars and Gee whiz, surprise, surprise, it means the World Economic Forum themselves. So what they want to do is they want to basically hijack corporations and turn them into machines for woke cultural Marxism. That's that, I don't know if you heard the phrase ESG, environmental, social, and governance. That's big companies like BlackRock and State Street. Instead of just investing in companies, they invest in companies and then say, if you want our investment, you'd better bring in an affirmative action program, bring in you know, a DEI program. So that's what they do to companies, but they're doing they want to do that to democracies too. In fact, there's a terrifying video clip, I don't know if you've seen it, of Klaus Schwab, who's the head of the World Economic Forum, saying uh, artificial intelligence is uh, pretty much at the point where we don't need elections anymore. Because AI can just tell us how to vote. There's a clip of him saying that, and they published that on purpose. So this isn't him sneaking, you know, saying it, um, whispering it. This is him saying it out loud. And there was a huge number of artificial intelligence firms at Davos. In fact, I'd say the number one industry that was represented there was AI. Uh, By the way, Facebook, Meta had a huge presence there, too. And they didn't like to talk at all. It's uh, it's scary when you realize how many decisions are being made there instead of being made in the U.S. Congress or the Canadian Parliament or the British Parliament. But that's that stakeholder democracy. It's different from citizen democracy or sovereignty. They simply don't believe in one person, one vote. They believe that they, the masters of the universe, who are holed up for a week in this Swiss Alps resort, that they get to decide things in private, usually, and without any transparency or accountability. There's no official opposition to the World Economic Forum. There's no press access. There's no 
lobbyist registry. There's none of the checks and balances you have in Congress. A lot of sneaky things happen there in Davos. You know, and that's one concern about, you know, obviously as we, you know, modernize as a civilization and with the rise of technology is I, I think that, you know, as we do, we're giving up freedom and we're you know turning over the keys to the government to control us more. And you, you look at things like electric vehicles or as you just laid out with artificial I- intelligence, um, you know, I, I just worry that that is going to, as you just laid out, is going to increase this crackdown on, on free speech and is also going to try to manipulate the masses um, from a public opinion perspective and pushing propaganda. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but about five years ago, um, maybe even a little longer ago, Facebook hired hundreds and hundreds of human censors Um it, not just in English, but in other languages too. They had a huge outsource contract for Spanish-speaking censors, so they had they had thousands of censors um, that were going through post after post, deleting and censoring posts. But it wasn't a permanent job. What they were doing was training Facebook's artificial intelligence. So let's say you have one million decisions on censoring Facebook posts. So the AI would would do that, would study what these human censors did over and over and over again, and then the contract is over. Facebook doesn't need those censorship factories because now the artificial intelligence is perfectly trained up. That's, a, that's not a prediction of the future. That's what Facebook did do. They no longer have their censorship contracts. They did it. They studied censorship, and now the computer does it. But the terrifying thing is, you don't even know what's happening to you. You don't know who's doing it. You don't know half the time that you're even censored, because you can see your own work. It's just that no one else can. And what terrifies me about the stakeholder democracy is that at least if it was Joe Biden who was censoring you, there'd probably be a court order, and you could appeal that in there a court of appeal and you would have access to the government record and at least there would be some transparency. Uh, And by the way, you'd have the First Amendment to protect you. But when Joe Biden outsources censorship to Facebook, where do you even start? Who do you appeal to? Where are your civil rights? Where is your Bill of Rights? Where is your First Amendment? None of that even happens. There's no record of it happening. The AI just did it. That's what scares me about the merger between big tech, big government, and big media, is that now they can censor you, and half the time you don't even know you're being censored because you're still talking. It's just you're shouting into the wind. No one else is hearing what you're saying. I know particularly here in the United States, uh, you know, we were, we were talking about the, the Texas versus the federal government, you know, showdown. And, you know, you look at at least the way the United States is supposed to be, and we're, we're not supposed to have this large of a centralized, federal government. And I, I almost, I, I just, I worry that, you know, you look at these countries that are supposed to be Western countries that are supposed to be free and the government has just become such a behemoth that I wonder if we can ever put the genie back in the bottle or how you even begin to claw your way back to having a free people again. Well, that's the tough part. And what Elon Musk did was such a singular act of public good I mean, imagine taking what was at $44 billion and buying Twitter. Uh, and I'm sure he hopes to make money off it, although I 
I, I just can't think that that was the primary purpose because so far the, the main thing he's done is just to free it. And I think that was the largest single sacrificial gift anyone, I mean, I'm not, I'm not praising him as some prince or something, but that was a noble act. And, and it showed what's still going on in the other social media apps. And that's why they want to stop Elon Musk. I don't know how you unscramble the egg in this all, but I just don't know because everyone lives online. Everyone lives through their cell phone. That's one of the things that scared me at Davos this year for the World Economic Forum. They were talking about disease X, which is the next big pandemic that they're all talking about. And I think a lot of them realized that the pandemic was the greatest excuse for authoritarianism. Sure, it was an excuse to sell a lot of vaccines. And boy, there were a lot of vaccine manufacturers out there at the World Economic Forum. But really, the main benefit to the oligarchs of the world of the pandemic was that it gave them the excuse to lock down, to force people to stay in their homes, that the only way to socialize was through their computers. And I mean, I'm up here in Canada, and you know when we broke free, broke free, Lisa, is when we put down our phones and went outside and joined the trucker convoy that descended on our capital city of Ottawa, basically honking their horns for freedom. It's when we put down our phones, turned off Disney+, Plus, went outside in the fresh air, met other humans and said, yeah, this is sort of BS, isn't it? And truckers, who are the most independent-minded people out there, led the way. Um, they want us in our homes, atomized. And there's this, I don't know if you've ever seen this terrifying guy named Yuval Noah Harari. That's his name. I think so. He's like this spiritual advisor to the World Economic Forum. He says the future of AI is that most people are, quote, useless and that most people, our future is, quote, drugs and video games. That's what they want. They want most people just to log into the matrix and, you know, get on some drug or another and just become useless. That's what they want us to do because apparently there's money and power in that. That's what we're fighting. And so it really is like that movie, The Matrix. Quick commercial break. More with Ezra Levant. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. <laughs> like, what did we do? It's so slow. Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Well, you know, yeah, you've got, you know, literally like virtual worlds now that people can log into and pretend like they're, you know, uh, spending time with other people and, you know, living virtually. And then you've got things like even like Neuralink where, you know, you can control someone's brain, which is obviously very concerning. Um, you know, another player in all this is the media. And I want to get more on the the trucker issue as well um, here in a second. But you know, the other player in all this is is the media. And I saw that interview that you did with the CNN guy. Uh, how does the, the media buy access to Davos and to the World Economic Forum? And then, you know, that has to impact their, their coverage as well. So like, how, how does that all work? Yeah. Well, the World Economic Forum sounds like the United Nations or something, but it's actually privately owned. It's owned by its founder, Klaus Schwab, who I'm not even kidding. His dad was a Nazi industrialist who moved to Germany to run a factory for Hitler. I'm not kidding. That's who his dad is. And Klaus Schwab, who runs the thing, he, he looks and sounds like a supervillain. Like the way he talks is crazy. Like he says, we have penetrated the cabinets around the world. You will eat the bugs. You will own nothing and you'll be happy. Like it's just too much. It's like, it's like you're watching. Like the Austin Powers. Uh, villain, oh, you know, I forget the guy's name. <laughs> Goldfinger. Yeah, exactly. That's it. That's what it's like. Anyways, um, so the first thing to know about the World Economic Forum, it's a private business owned by Klaus Schwab. The second thing to know is that you pay to play. So to get uh, into these huge conferences, you have to pay. It starts at like a hundred grand for basic access. And if you want a pavilion, if you want a kiosk, if you want to be a panel, it goes up a quarter million, a million. In fact, I was reading a report that, and by the way, the town of Davos, Switzerland, it's like, a, it's like Aspen or some ski resort. The whole town is taken over for the week. And like the main street, they every business is bought out. And it's like a movie set. They put up the Facebook store, the MSN store, the IBM store. Like they just... It's like a movie set. And then after they tear that old town and the, and the town goes back to normal, they even bought out a church. And I was reading that they paid the church $1.4 million because it's right in the middle of the promenade to turn it into some uh, AI or sort of some crypto kiosk or something. Like they even sold the church for that week. So the amount, but $1.4 million for a week. That's the kind of dough. But to answer your question, so so I'm an independent citizen journalist. We applied for accreditation 
we, we couldn't pay any money to them. We just said, can we go? No, they would not let us in their in their meetings or their conference. So we were outside on the street. But CNN, for example, they paid to have a huge pride of placement, central location for their studios and access to all of the oligarchs there. I don't know exactly how much they would have paid. It was probably between a half a million and a million dollars. So put yourself in the shoes of CNN. If you just paid half a million or a million dollars to get access to the inner circles of the World Economic Forum, to have an interview with Klaus Schwab himself, to have an interview with Bill Gates, to have an interview with all these masters in the universe, are you going to really ask a tough question? Are you going to ask Bill Gates about Jeffrey Epstein? Are you going to ask Larry Fink of BlackRock a tough question about ESG? Of course not. First of all, you want to be on the winning team. You're an insider. You want to hang out with these oligarchs. It's fun. But more importantly, if you ask tough questions, they're not going to let you in next year. So there actually are hundreds of journalists there from the New York Times, from the Wall Street Journal, from MSNBC. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are journalists there, but they're part of it. They're insiders. We scrummed a CNN journalist named Richard Quest. You'd probably recognize him if you saw him. He's this really tall British guy with a loud voice and a British accent. Really, really fun guy, actually. I sort of like him. Uh, but we asked him, how can you report critically on the World Economic Forum if your company paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to be there? And he said, access is my job. That's what he said. And he said, oh, I asked the toughest questions. We went and looked up his interviews with Klaus Schwab. I've never seen, I mean, any more of a softball question or literally give Klaus Schwab a tummy rub or something like it. It was sort of embarrassing, but that's how they control it. And all the different institutions are in it together. There's politicians there because this is off the books. They don't have to, they don't disclose their meetings to a lobbyist registry. There's no official opposition. There's no scrutiny of what goes on there. So you have politicians having secret meetings. You have oligarchs buying and selling things. You have ideologues cooking up their, you know, schemes, shareholder, stakeholder capitalism, stakeholder democracy. You have all of, you have some of the worst people in the world gathered in the same town for a week. And they don't have a parliament or a Congress there. It's not like they have official votes. But boy, do they take that common narrative home with them to Washington, to Ottawa, to London, to the European Union, and pump it out. I mean, do you ever wonder why everyone from Joe Biden to Boris Johnson to Justin Trudeau uses the same phrase, build back better? Like, where did that come from? Hmm. They harmonize. It's like birds lining up in that V formation in a flock. That's what Davos is. It's a very dangerous place. You know, yeah, and the Jeffrey Epstein, you mentioned the um, Bill Gates, Jeffrey Epstein connection. You know, that's just strange because I could give more deference to someone who associated with him before kind of knowing that, you know, he was a scumbag, right? Like there's more plausible deniability, but he associated with him after he had signed that plea deal in like early 2000s. Um, and, you know, it had already come to light that, you know, he was a scumbag. So it's like, why are you associating with someone like that? You know, unless, <laughs> you know, unless you're intentionally choosing that association for nefarious reasons. But um, well, 
I mean, here's my theory on- Just Dr. raises that question. The first thing to know about Bill Gates is that his wife, Melinda Gates, divorced him because he wouldn't stop meeting with Jeffrey Epstein. That's not a theory or a speculation. She has done public interviews talking about it. Bill Gates just wouldn't quit Jeffrey Epstein. He met with him dozens of times, and as you pointed out, he kept meeting with him even after all the facts were known. So I think that Bill Gates probably engaged in some inappropriate, atrocious, probably illegal misconduct. But here's what else we know. He was most likely blackmailed, right? I mean, I think it's pretty clear that that's what Jeffrey Epstein's operation was. It was a honeypot trapping these oligarchs in misconduct, most likely filming them and then extorting them. I, I think that that's the only explanation that works. So um, you had extremely rich and powerful people like Bill Gates who were trapped by Epstein's child trafficking ring. And then who knows what they were compelled to do. And Epstein may be gone now, but those videotapes are probably in the hands of some very powerful people. And um, I don't know who, I, I, Bill Gates has never fully answered questions about that. I don't know if you saw, but I actually bumped into the president of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation on the streets of Davos. I don't know if you saw that video. Um, like that's basically Bill Gates's right-hand man. I don't know if you know this, but Bill Gates is one of the richest men in the world. He put almost all of his money into this foundation. So if you're the president of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, you're overseeing close to $100 billion. That's yes. how Bill Gates controls the world. That's how, I mean, he's poured hundreds of millions of dollars into media companies. Maybe that's why he's uh, he gets free passes with so many media. But I asked this president, Christopher Elias is his name, I walked with him for about 10 minutes on the streets of Davos. I put 48 questions to him in a row. You can see the video on our website or on my Twitter feed as from the back. Just you can Google Rebel News, Bill and Norman Gates Foundation. It'll come up pretty quick. That video was seen more than a million times in the first day. Even though I never got a single answer, this guy is just walking next to me, totally silent as I put questions to him. And you might say, well, what's the point of that? So you asked a bunch of questions, but you didn't get any answers. How's that journalism? Well, two ways. First of all, it shows the lack of accountability and transparency. Here's one of the richest, most powerful men in the world, the right-hand man to Bill Gates. And he won't answer. I said, how many times did you, did you visit Jeffrey Epstein? How many times did you go to the island? How many times did you go on the plane? I said to him, why are you still working for Bill Gates when even his wife divorced him? What do you know that she doesn't? Like I asked as many questions as I could, not a single answer. And then the second thing you realize, besides the fact that these people keep secrets from you, even though they want to rule over you, is that these questions have never been put to Bill Gates before. But like I say, Bill Gates does interviews all the time. He's just never asked unscripted questions. And so my story from a minute ago about how CNN um, is absolutely co-opted and is part of the team, Bill Gates and all these other oligarchs only do media that they control. They would never go on an, an interview that they didn't know the questions in advance or at least know that the 
post would would never embarrass them. And I think that a lot of what poses as journalism in 2024 is actually bought and paid for PR by regime media. Quick break, more on the World Economic Forum. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from the Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscored.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. You know, I wanted to get you had mentioned the truckers uh, earlier. So a, a Canadian judge ruled that the government's use of the Emergencies Act, uh, which they used to try to stop the you know, trucker rebellion, as you know, that it was unconstitutional and unreasonable. Um, you know, obviously, the government used it to freeze bank accounts and to you know do a whole host of things. Um, what should people know on what the judge said, what happened and, and what do you want people to know about that? Sure. I mean, it was absolutely astonishing. This was the first time in Canadian history that the Emergencies Act was invoked as a form of martial law. So it wasn't even used during 9-11. And what was it used for? Well, you probably saw the footage, a bunch of truckers going to Ottawa, honking their horns. And that's it. There was no violence. They didn't enter Parliament. They parked outside Parliament. And they stayed in their trucks, and I don't know, they brought out some bouncy castles and some hot tubs. And I was there for a few days, but it was sort of a festival feeling. Um, the worst you could say about it was it was a little noisy. But soon the judge said, hey, you guys, you have to stop honking horns. So they, the judge issued an injunction, and they stopped honking their horns. And there were some parking violations. And that's it. Crime actually decreased in downtown Ottawa because you had all these you know, public-spirited people there. Um, so Trudeau invoked martial law because he was embarrassed. And so he seized the bank accounts of truckers without a legal process. He just seized it. And by the way, 
a lot of people have a joint bank account with their wife or, or their husband. And so all of a sudden, 300, hundreds of families couldn't access their bank account for groceries or rent. Um, they threw people in jail. Uh, a friend of mine, Tamara Leach, was put in jail for 49 days. For they, they said she was guilty of, quote, mischief because she was supporting the truckers. Um, they had riot horses come out and stomp on people. And the judge ruled, and it's been two years, so justice came slow. But a judge said all of this was done illegally. Because if you read the Emergencies Act, it can only be used in extremely serious cases like a revolution, like a war or an invasion, like things of that gravity. And the Emergencies Act specifically says you can only use martial law if your other laws don't handle it, if you can't solve the problem with other laws. But of course, these truckers could be handled by regular police. They, they were. There was no need for it. So number one, martial law was invoked illegally. And number two, the judge says, even when you invoke martial law, you have to respect civil liberties um, in what we call our charter of rights. It's like your Bill of Rights. And the judge went through the crazy things Trudeau did, like seizing families' bank accounts and said, that absolutely was a violation of rights. So it was pretty incredible that Trudeau always said the truckers were the lawbreakers, but now a judge finally has ruled that no, the truckers were fine. It was Trudeau and his martial law that was illegal. So it's an incredible vindication of the truckers and an incredible condemnation of Trudeau and his authoritarian instincts. And you look at the some of the leaders of the, you mentioned uh, Tamara Leach and Chris Barber, I believe. Um, they're still facing trial, right? What, what's, the, oh, yeah. what's the latest with that? And, and what are they being, you know, what are they having to face trial for? Yeah, well, you know what? I, I, know, I know those people and I know Tamara Leach very well. We published her autobiography and we're crowdfunding her legal defense. And like I say, she's charged with some extremely minor things like inciting mischief. I don't know if that's called something different in the States, but here in Canada, mischief is like a catch-all for like vandalism or like the lowest crime imaginable. It's the kind of thing where a judge usually says, I don't want to see you back in here, young man. Now you fly straight. Like mischief is the lowest. Like, because what did she do? She didn't do anything. And he was jailed for 49 days before trial. And what should be what would normally be like a two-hour trial is now coming up on a year, like dozens and dozens and dozens of I went to her trial for a bit, and it's basically the, the, the government is using the process as the punishment, dragging it out as long as possible to inflict as much stress and hassle and cost onto Mary Leach as possible. And, and we're crowdfunding her legal defense. I don't want to tell you how much we've spent so far. Um, imagine, you know, three defense lawyers for almost a full year. You can guess how expensive that is. They're trying to kill her. By the way, I hope you don't mind me saying that if people want to help Tamara, they can go to helptamara.com because we're fighting against the government here. It's sort of like the J6, the January 6th battle in the States. Justin Trudeau said that 
when the truckers came to Ottawa, he said, this is just like the January 6th insurrection. This is Trump-style violent uprising. Like, he's so lusted for that situation, but the truckers were completely peaceful. They didn't invade anywhere. And now the federal court says the truckers were fine. It was the government that was the lawbreaker. But they're still prosecuting Tamara Leach, who was the sort of spiritual leader of the truckers. So that's incredibly, that trial is going to go on for at least two more months. And, and it could go on longer. Just so abusive. I hate to say it because I'm, I'm a Canadian. I love Canada. I'm proud of my country. But we have treated her like a political prisoner. It's absolutely a stain on our national reputation. We've got to take a quick break. Stay right there. What up, everyone? It's Lunchbox from The Bobby Bone Show, and I'm here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car, like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive. You can count on your new Camry to get you anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. I mean, the whole point is to to send a message to other people like her, you know, don't you dare defy the government, right? I mean, isn't isn't that the the point of it is to to you know quash hit anyone else you know who might have similar ideas? Oh, exactly. I mean, and the the idea is if they can take on Tamara Leach, who's popular and has a and has a lot of support, well, they can certainly come after. You and the police chief in Ottawa during the truckers, he actually went on TV and said, if you donate it, we will hunt you down. Like this thuggish police chief threatened peaceful citizens. It was out of control. I I truly was worried Canada was going to go full authoritarian. We, we went part authoritarian, like I say, martial law, seizing bank accounts. But even before that, I don't know if you know how bad Canada was. I chose not to be vaccinated, and I had my reasons. 
And I was not allowed. There was a national no-fly list. If you were not jabbed, you could not get on a plane, even a domestic flight or a train. And Canada is the second largest country in the world. So millions of Canadians were put on a no-fly list because we weren't jabbed. There was a curfews. The province of Quebec, population 8 million, a large, wonderful province, they brought in a curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. And that wasn't just for unjabbed people. That was jabbed or not, healthy or sick. You were not allowed to leave your house between the hours of 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. every day. It was like you were in prison, literally under house arrest. That's how atrocious it was. And remember Justin Trudeau, he's always admired authoritarian leaders. I don't know if you heard, but before he became prime minister, he was asked a question on camera. He was asked, what country do you most admire other than Canada? And he said, China. Now, maybe he meant the food or the language or the culture or the history or the, you know, the architecture. Like, there's a lot of things to like about China, by the way. But he finished that thought by saying China, comma, because of their basic dictatorship. Look it up. He literally chose the most atrocious thing about China. And he said that's why he liked it. The guy says who he is. His father, Pierre Trudeau, who was prime minister 40 years ago, was a full-out socialist who said that, who took his kids, who took young Justin to Siberia and said, this is the land of the future. Remember, Pierre Trudeau would go and visit Fidel Castro in Cuba. In fact, there's lots of internet rumors that Fidel Castro might actually be Justin's dad because the time... I know, I love the pink first comparison. Yeah. So here we have an authoritarian bully and it won't surprise you to know that Justin Trudeau loves the World Economic Forum. That's his kind of people because they're all about censorship and control and authoritarianism and not having to bother with, you know, elections or anything grubby like that. Well, you know, that's why I didn't get the vaccine as well. And I was so vocal about it here was that I realized that, you know, this was about something so much bigger than just my personal decision to not get a vaccine that, you know, I never needed for a virus that was never a threat to me. Um, You know, I wanted to, you know, you were also one of the people on the receiving end of the ire of uh, your government. Um, You know, you were prosecuted for publishing a book about Justin Trudeau. Yeah. You know, I am. I published a book in the 2019 Canadian election called The Lebranos. It would sort of take off on The Sopranos. And the cover of my book had a sort of stylized movie poster, but instead of Tony Soprano, it was Trudeau. It was sort of a, a, a goofy gimmick. And, but I, it was a serious book. I went through Trudeau's corruption. And that was one of 24 books that were published in Canada during the 2019 election. I mean, that's when you publish books, right? I mean, there's probably going to be 100 books about Trump and Biden published in America this year because it's election year. So I was just one of those guys. I was an author, published a book, critical of Trudeau. There were 23 other books that praised Trudeau. So just set in the seat. Election, 24 books. Mine was the critical book that really went hard at him. I get a letter from elections canada which is like your fec saying we'd like you to come into our office and be interrogated by two 30-year veteran mounties 
um, because we think your book is illegal. And I said, what do you mean? They said, we think it's an illegal campaign donation. And I know the law, I'm a former lawyer. And it, you know, if you sell a book at a regular book price, um, the book and the promotional book is, is legal. Of course it is. Well, I was convicted. And I, I, by the way, I went to this interrogation and I brought a secret camera in with me. I recorded my interrogation because I knew in my bones, Lisa, that no one would believe me. I mean, I bet you're having trouble believing me now when I say that two senior Mountie's grilled me for an hour about my book and why didn't I register? They literally said, why didn't you register your book with the government? They said those words and you're probably thinking, no way, no way, come on. That's why I took a hidden camera in there. You can find that on YouTube pretty quickly also. And I fought them in court, but incredibly, the government has upheld the ruling that I had to register my book, even though there were 23 other books published at the exact same time. And I said that. I said that to the bounties, and I said that to the judge. And I said, you know, why is why are you prosecuting my book? Because it well, and you, and you know what the Mounties said to me? They said, well, if you should make a complaint against the other 23 books. No, I don't believe in criminalizing books. So I have to pay a $13,000 fine and cost oh God. appealing that, but I think I'm going to lose on appeal. And that's Canada. Our internet is being censored. Uh, Trudeau has, our version of the FCC has been expanded, not just to cover TV and radio, and it now covers the internet. Trudeau passed a law last year that gives them the authority to alter the search algorithms uh, of the big tech companies. Uh, he he can literally order them to change the quote discoverability of any news, so he can promote news that he likes and demote news that he doesn't. Well, guess what he's going to do to people like me? So, I think that Canada is like a bad ideas laboratory experiment. But whatever happens here today, oh, believe me, they're going to try and do to you tomorrow. I mean, Gavin Newsom. Of California's best buddies with Trudeau, they're two peas in a pod. I mean, if you want to see a cat fight, give those two men one mirror and watch them fight over that. And they're both narcissistic, authoritarian, know nothing bullies who are presiding over failed states. But imagine if Gavin Newsom actually ran a country. That's Canada. So we've got atrocious ideas here. He's Mr. Wolf. Remember, he's the one who interrupts. Someone said mankind. He said, no, we say people kind. I swear to God, you can find that. We have an atrocious prime minister, and he is coming for the last remaining skeptics. And I'm a skeptic, obviously. I'm a critic. And by the way, you can take your leave, but I have to say, you don't have to agree with me. But for God's sakes, he wants to jail me. He's fining me. He's prosecuting me. Um, I don't know if you saw a video about a week ago, one of our journalists encountered the deputy prime minister on the street and asked her two questions. Our guy was immediately assaulted by police, handcuffed, and taken away in a police car. You know, yeah. that's just for asking questions. I, I'm worried, and I know Americans care about freedom around the whole world. That's one of the reasons the world loves America, or at least some of the world loves America. It's one of the reasons why some of the world hates America, because you guys stand for freedom. 
we love America because you fight for freedom, but I know that you never think of Canada as a problem. You're worried about the state of freedom in the Middle East and China and North Korea Venezuela and stuff like that. But I don't think Americans realize the problem you've got just to the north of you. I think Americans think Canada is a boring place that's full of snow and people who say, um, you know, the word, hey, hey, how you doing? I mean, Canada is a friendly, boring neighbor and a perfect neighbor to have, but we're not that place anymore. We're run by an authoritarian bully and one of the problems about being a polite country that Canada thinks it's polite is that when someone does atrocious things to a polite person, sometimes the polite person just takes it and doesn't fight back. Americans have a revolutionary spirit. That's how your country was born. Our country was just sort of, you know, was born through evolution, not revolution. The very fact that we believe in being nice means we accept all sorts of not nice things from our leadership. We just say, oh, well, hopefully it'll work out, eh? It's not working out. Well, I, you know, I worry about freedom, you know, here as well. I mean, we've got, you know, states trying to unilaterally you know, take Donald Trump, who's going to be the Republican nominee, obviously, off of the ballot, you know? So it's like, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know how free the West in general is anymore, or if anyone really cares about freedom anymore. Um it's something I've been worried about for a while now. You know, there's a poem by W.B. Yeats called The Second Coming. It's a terrifying poem. And there's this one line in it. Maybe you've heard it. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. And that scares the daylights out of me, because I think that that's what he wrote 100 years ago after the First World War. And I feel that way now. The best people lack all conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Now, that's not completely true. There are still some amazing people in America, and you have 50 United States, and there's some people fighting like hell. You know, just up here in the north looking down, I admire what the government, governor of Texas is trying to do. That's my opinion. I hope you don't mind me expressing it about your country. I'm a Canadian. No, I agree with that. I mean, I, you, you have different pockets of power. You have good checks and balances compared to other countries. So you won't go down without a fight. We don't have the checks and balances. We don't have the masterpiece called the U.S. Constitution. We don't have the Bill of Rights. We have a shabby half effort called the Charter of Rights that has many holes in it. So you have you have an amazing legacy of freedom bequeathed to you. The question is, can you keep it? And and I think it's going to be tested. Like I say, when I was in Davos, the number th- one thing that was on everyone's lips was, how do we stop Trump? And you might laugh and say, Haha, you Europeans, that's got nothing to do with you. Well, they think it does. And who's there but the Googles and Facebooks and the big tech AI companies? So you may think that it doesn't matter what the World Economic Forum thinks about you. But they're thinking a lot about you, and they're going to do their best to meddle with you. I really feel that it's coming. No, I, I worry about that, too. Um, Ezra Levant, publisher of Rebel News. I, I follow uh, Rebel News' work as well as you. Um, always a, a really enlightening and interesting conversation. We just so appreciate your time and, and bringing this on the show. My pleasure. Good luck, and stay free. You're a, a light unto the nations. 
I'm a proud Canadian, but I thank God for America. So stay free and stay strong, my friend. We will continue to do that, particularly on this show. So we appreciate you and, and your fight in Canada. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Ezra Levant, publisher for Rebel News. They do really great work. I encourage everyone to go check it out. Appreciate him for making the time to come on the show. He's always so smart and interesting. Appreciate you guys at home for listening every Monday and Thursday. But of course, you can listen throughout the week. Feel free to give us a rating or review on Apple. Uh, We always love reading those. I want to thank my producer, John Cassio, for putting it together. Until next time. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. CNN.